And I just uh, passed the 63-year mark last month in May. And I started out 42-plus years ago preaching the gospel. And it is amazing how especially the past 20 years has flown. Folks, I don't have 63 more years. So what we do, we need to do swiftly, quickly, when it comes to the kingdom. I want to share with you for the uh, next few services, uh, there's some things tonight that I want to establish. I want to, you know, back during the first Gulf War, they, they had this uh, military thinking, they called it shock and awe. You know, they just kind of brought it all in and in the beginning of that. And uh, it, it was uh, the enemy, I guess, was supposed to have been in shock and awe. Well, you're not the enemy. But what I'm going to say tonight is will give us something to meditate on. Because you and I, all these years, I preach a lot of meetings, uh, a lot of camp, what we call camp meetings and conferences and conventions and so forth. Uh, in my years, but I have come to the place, I'm not just interested in preaching a camp meeting or a convention. I'm not just interested in preaching another message. I made a statement some few years ago, in the last uh, three years, I guess, maybe four, that the only preaching, I believe that God spoke this to me, that the only preaching that would be effective in these days would be prophetic preaching, not about a certain war that's going to take place, not about prophetically about a bridge that's going to fall in a certain city on a certain day, but prophetically, prophetic in this sense, what God is saying to the body at this moment in time. Now, there's a lot of messages being preached. There's a lot of, you know, Bible being um words being spoken, but I want to know what God is saying to me now, to the church in this day, because you and I, without a doubt, are the church of the end of days. I want to talk about that tonight. Would you stand with me? I'm going to read one verse of Scripture. Have I got this on? All right. All right, are we on? Okay. We find it in Ephesians 5 and 27. I have sure used this verse a lot in the past, uh, well, three years, I guess. You think I just started preaching three or four years ago, but not so. But I have dealt with some things in the past four years that I know that God gave me. I wish I had time to go back and cover that, but there's no way. But just briefly, about a little over four and a half years ago, God just, something radical happened to me. Uh, I was praying, seeking God, preaching the truth. Uh, but something happened radically happened to me. 
And I, that's when the Lord began to deal with me about these days of the end, about His church. And this particular verse, Ephesians 5 and 27, has been one of those guideposts, those uh East, those stars, you know, the ancient mariners set their uh, sextant on was it the North Star because it never moved. It was always the same, fixed in the heavens. So they could take that ship, be anywhere in the world, and just use that instrument to find their bearings. They didn't set it on shooting stars. They would have been all over the ocean. They would have headed for... Uh, America and ended up in South America, but on the North Star. So I've shared with people how, uh, how that I cannot look at the church in the eyes of the natural. Now I have, and I have been frustrated over the years as I've watched a steady decline in the spiritual condition of the church as we know it. So, but in order for me not to become disillusioned, and that's not the only reason, but I want to see the church as God sees it. Yeah. You say, you mean God sees it differently than he is? Well, he knows the condition that it's in. You can go to the book of Revelation. Jay was sharing with me the other day about that really interested me what he's talking, what he said about Jesus said, I know. Yes, he sees it. But I'm talking about the end of it. And I'm not just talking about when we get to heaven. But I'm talking about the end of the church as we near the coming of Christ. Folks, I'm here to tell you something must and will radically change the people of God. So because he said in Ephesians 5 and 27 that he might present it to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. I just titled this the church of the end of days. Would you, would you pray with me again? Father, thank you. I, I stand here always. I've confessed that I have no talent nor any ability to say or do anything that affects people. And I pray tonight for that fresh oil and unction that makes preaching effective. And I ask that you would anoint the people to hear, to receive the word. And we'll give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. I, you know, I preached in a lot of different movements, a lot of different churches. I, I, Northern Ireland made 50 Three countries in my short life on earth that I've been to, some of them many, many times. But I've seen, uh, you know, I'll use America as an example because I am an American, so I can beat up on my own, you know. But I've seen what we would call a potpourri type of, of church existence and a hodgepodge of various types. Everybody claiming to be the one. We're talking today, you know, nobody preaches, I don't think, any more about the remnant than I do. I believe that there is going to be a remnant, but the problem, as we were discussing, is that everybody thinks their own little exclusive group is that remnant. Yeah. 
So, you know, I, I'm not here to, to, to do that at all when I mention the remnant church. But I want to talk about the church of the end of days. I was in Spain not too long ago. It was a glorious time. I, I didn't know how they were going to receive what I was saying. I'm not talking about anything out of the book or the Bible, but just kind of a, ra a not kind of, but a radical message about the end of days for the church. But I'm telling you, God came. And, but in that, I learned of a pastor in South America who, and I don't know everything about him, but I just know that a pa one of the leaders there in Spain said, you, you, you and him preach the same message about the end of days and the church and what the church must be. And he said, but he is using a term there. They have some type of training facility or school or something, but he is teaching the people. And, and, and that's not a good word. That's not really the word to describe, but, but how to have a culture of the end of time, a culture in that church of the end of time. I said, I've never heard it quite put that way. In fact, it so intrigued me. I plan to go there. I, I want to know about that because I believe that, that we right here in, in Ireland, in Northern Ireland, I believe that we need to become a people uh, to have a culture of the end of days as far as the church is concerned. I believe there has to be a radical change in our thinking, not doctrinally, I'm not saying that, but a radical change in our thinking. We must become apostolic. Now, I'm not talking about somebody's belief in the uh, the Godhead. No, I'm not talking, but apostolic simply means an apostolic church is a church that has been sent by God. An apostle is an individual messenger that has been raised up and sent by God. So I, I'm not a Unitarian, but I tell them in the States, I'm going to use that word apostolic because it is something I believe the Bible teaches. We need to regain that for the church. And I, as I begin this, I want to share with you, there's so many people, you know, they use a lot of things and they're discussing about what the church is and, it, and their church is the one because of their various symbols of faith. Some believe it's their certain emphasis on certain doctrines or emblems of the outward or methods of baptism or their, their style of worship. You could go on and on. I, I'm not really interested in, in all that, you know, people try to use to propagate their own ideology or church or again their exclusiveness exclusiveness I'm just here to tell you that the church has to think outside of itself and realize that we are a local body but we are part of the body of Christ worldwide and I don't want to offend but I'm just here to tell you I don't believe that the great majority of the church has a grasp upon what the one essential and climaxing understanding Standing of that end of days church is. What makes the church truly apostolic in the sense of the New Testament? I, I do believe that it's coming into view. I, I tell you, I have hope. I am not 
discouraged. I see the condition of the church in the natural. But again, I'm not looking at it in the natural. I'm looking at it in the spiritual and according to the word of God. And I have to see it. I do believe that the people of God are being brought into a place, you know, believers who see and hear. I think that will become a little clearer as we go along. In Ephesians 1.17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the Spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. If I had time, I, I, I used to make fun of these television preachers that talked about revelation. Well, I know what they were talking about, but I do know that you can, I can take you verse by verse and show you that you and I need to constantly be receiving revelation of the given word, of the truth of the word of God and lied upon such things. I, I, I made a statement in preaching often, and it's true that while Ephesians and Colossians, if you will, are for all times, as far as the church is concerned, I, I know it is for the end of days church. I tell folks, let's go back and read that again and reread the book of Ephesians over and over. It is for the end time for sure. Listen, most today, most, I believe, are not walking in that light and experience, but I do believe it's coming. I believe the early church did. Now, theologically, they couldn't ex have explained that. You know, we don't realize, but you know, when a lot of the apostles were preaching in these villages and towns, they were preaching the Old Testament. That's all they knew, that's all they had, until the Spirit of God began to give them revelation of the Word and what you and I have today as the New Testament. But I do believe that it's coming that we're going to walk in that light. I, I am convinced it's time of prophetic fulfillment and it's time of, of understanding the prophetic word. Again, I'm not talking about Ezekiel's war or in that respect. I know that is prophecy, but I'm looking at it a little different. And when it comes to the church, I do believe that the real body of Christ is going to become... Uh, become to understand what it means, the eternal purpose of God in this end of time. Yes. I tell you, I pray about that constantly. I'm not a real emotional person, but I weep over that a lot. And I ask God, let me live to see the eternal purpose of God fulfilled in these last days. Amen. And I want to say with love, but with warning, we, we have to understand that in these days, or it's not going to go well with us uh, as we near the end. Now, there's there's a lot of signs about uh, of the end of days church. I understand that, but I want to tell you first what it's not. It is not the eschatological um, mindset of 99% of today's church, especially in my country, because I, I know how a lot of them think. Now, I'm not talking about the rapture. I'm not talking about pre, mid, or post. I'm not talking about that. I know, I'm, I'm one of the old Jewish Christian preachers that had such an impact on my life. He's in heaven now. But here's what he said. He said, harmless charismatica in Christianity. That is, is irrevocably played out without any conscious awareness of the cosmic drama in which the church has set. You said, that's strange talk. Well, you know, 
Mr. Barna, they're a research group there in the United States, and they work there with a Christian university in Arizona. And some time ago, I read a study that they did, and it took a while, I don't know how long exactly, but they did a survey in the United States, maybe North America, but I know the United States. They, they surveyed what they call, I forgot how many millions, 167 or something million Christians, and they were including Catholic and Protestants in that group. And so they, they asked a lot of questions. They asked questions about salvation, and they asked questions about moral issues, homosexuality and abortion and so forth. They asked a lot of questions about a lot of things, but here's what they came up with now. They say that out of that hundred and I think 60 something million so-called Christians that they interviewed and surveyed, only 6% of American Christians had a biblical worldview. 6%, not 60, had a biblical worldview. And out of that 160 plus million, if I get that right, million Christians, so-called in our, in our country or in that part of the world, over 60 something percent of those did not believe the Holy Spirit was a real person. They did not believe that he was real. They believed he was just a type, something of that nature. But here, here is the getter of that thing, if you will. Out of the 6% of all of those that they thought had a world, Christian worldview, 30 plus percent of those, I think maybe 34% of those did not believe that the Holy Ghost was real. That the Spirit, the Holy Spirit was not a real person. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you, when you take the Holy Ghost out of it, you, out, out of the equation, there is no church. You, you can just believe that. There is no church. So here you have 60 something percent of the hundred plus million, and then out of the six percent, 30 something percent of those don't believe. And, and I could go on and on with a lot of other issues there. In fact, they said that, that only 2% of the 18 to 19 year olds there, year old uh, individuals, had a biblical worldview. Much, much, much less a, a, cosmic view, if you will. What are you talking about a cosmic view? Well, listen, I, I believe that they do not understand that this, what, it, what is, it's a drama or cosmic drama. It is an awareness that we are moving toward a climax. We are moving toward a conclusion that is near and that these are indeed the last days. Now, people talk about it. They get all excited about YouTube videos, and, and, and there's a lot of stuff being mentioned about the end of time, but to be honest with you, most of the church has no clue. They're not really that interested in it. They just, you know, we're, we're just living in troublesome times. The writer said, the old Jewish Christian said, when the last days become a wordplay, a monologue of tradition, we miss it all entirely. And this is what he said, I love this. He said, may the last days be for us. 
I'm talking about everything that goes along with the end of time and the last days for the Christian. A lot of that's not going to be pretty at all, folks. There's going to be a lot of things that happen that's not going to be pleasant. But he said, may the last days be for us. You may think I'm a little crazy, but I'm I'm here to tell you, I'm actually looking forward to the end of the end. I'm excited about God's eternal purpose being fulfilled through the church of Jesus Christ. I know it's going to, there's things that are going to happen that, I, that I'm not going to like, that I'm not going to enjoy. I know we're coming to a time of persecution, maybe even death in the West when it comes to the Western part of the world for Christians. I know we're going to live in totemous times and, and perilous times and all of that. But I also know this, that he said that the end of days, when the coming of the Lord takes place, and that the church is going to be a glorious church. Glorious church. There's going to be a lot of folks at the end of time and end of days church say, I didn't sign up for this. And we, we're seeing that now. We were talking about how the epidemic or pandemic, I guess you say, pandemic that came through at St. Barnard Research last year, over a year ago, actually, in August of 2020, they did a little research and they said that 32% of American Christians had not returned to the church and that they were not expecting most of them to return. <laughs> Folks, that's one-third of the American church. Yeah. Now, that, that percentage varied in some churches, and that didn't... In fact, there were I, I know of a church near my home, and a young, young pastor, I've known him all of his life, and when and I were just there Sunday, and I'm telling you, that was the reverse. They, they went from... A 35, 40 people and God began to move and now they're packed to capacity. I mean, 250 plus people. They can't all get there on Sunday morning. They can't all sit. They're standing. Uh, so some come Sunday night and then some more Wednesday night. But I, I'm just telling you that that's, that's not all the rule, but for the most part it is. And, and so he said, may the last days be for us. It's a word play. That is, any preaching like this on the end time, the perplexing times, the chaotic state of the world that we're in. When you say that, and I have to be real careful with this, especially uh, among American Christians, I have to be real, uh, I have to explain this, you know, because I, I just put down here in my notes that when you say that, when you talk about the perplexing days and the times that we're living in and what's taking place in our world and our nation and, and uh, uh, you know, uh, that's happening in Israel and so forth, yeah. modern Christians, most of them say, well, Jesus is coming and we're out of here. And so I just tell them this. He said, watch, I'm watching. I'm always watching. But here's the thing. That is a mentality. That is something you say, well, we should always look for the coming of the Lord. But they're not just saying it like that. They're saying it like this. No, we're not going to have to face anything. 
We're not going to face trouble sometimes. We're, we're not going through tough times. We're not going through great persecution and suffering and things of the end of days. No, no, he's coming. He's going to get us out of that. He's going to take us out and uh, we're out of here. But here's what I tell folks. I say, listen, I say right here is where we are. You see this. And I said, one day the Lord is coming. He said in his word, watch ye therefore, I'm watching. And I say, you know, it could be right here. But what if it's right here? Or what if it's up here, over here? What I'm preaching to you is in between the church. Because right here, and if it's here or here or here, you and I are going to have to keep living. We're not going to be able to hide in a cave somewhere. We're going to have to keep living. And it is in this time that Jesus said the church is going to be ready to leave here glorious. Something is going to transpire. I'm, I'm just telling you the church in, in the condition that it's in right now. It's not glorious as a whole. As a whole. Let me be sure to clarify that. And so therefore, I'm convinced that God in a sovereign act... Uh, of his power, glory, and mercy, and his grace, that God is about to do something with the body that we call the church. And the church is going to have to do and be what God intended for it to be between here and here, or here, or wherever here is. And that's what I'm preaching. That You say, well, that's not radical. Oh, yes, it is. To most Christians, I can assure you. Because they don't want to think about that part. They don't want to talk about about that. You know, listen, we, I just tell them, don't forget the last days living until the trump of God sounds. The true church that is awakened will understand something about the, the last days more clearly. A church that understands, listen, you know, again, there are just so many, man, they just have so many ideas about their being the ones. But I, I've come to understand that the one that God uses in this hour is not going to be running around trying to find a name, you know, their name to become this little exclusive group, but they're going to realize that we're a part of something much bigger than we really are. Can you say amen? Listen, it, the true church, the end of days church is eschatology minded. Everything is moving to a consummation or to an end. We are aware of the beginning, but not locked into the present. It is a certain mentality. And that's what really intrigued me about this pastor in, in, uh, in Argentina about what he was doing in his church. Now, I don't know everything to know about his, his uh, doctrine and things of that nature. Nature's theology. I'd like to find that out, but I do know I like that. That create. He told my friend, uh, one of the leaders in Spain. He said, "You know, normally I think he said it takes ten years or more to change a culture in any given culture to change that to bring it to a new culture." Well, I don't know how, how long we have left to bring it, but I have a feeling that God is about to expedite this thing, and I believe that that the culture of the church must be changed into this radical understanding today. We've got our minds on our future, our retirement, our kids getting some type of uh, uh, 
you know, degree and nothing wrong with that. And I got a, I've got a granddaughter. My daughter just took uh, her down to sign her up for, at the university. She just graduated and we're all absolutely shattered because we didn't think she should grow up. But, but she is and she wants to get a medical degree. And, 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 and I understand these things, but somehow that has to be the, uh, the rear focus of our lives. And it must now be, okay, we are the end of days church. And what do, do the, what do we do as the end of days church? And what should we be, should we be doing? You know, it, it has a certain mentality. And unless that disturbs the church, it is not an end of days mindset. A, a mindset that we are moving toward a climax and a climax where the powers of darkness are fearful. Come on. The powers of darkness are fearful. They are aware that their time is short. Do you wonder why our world is in chaos right now? Do you wonder why politicians are wringing their hands and we have a, a president that can't find his? I mean, we, we're in a world that's in trouble, man. Well, I'm just here to tell you because they have a, they, that the powers of darkness know that we are at the end of days. The children of darkness, the Bible said, are wiser than the children of light. In Revelation 12 and 12, Therefore rejoice ye heavens, ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. The devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Now, I'm not here to debate the theology on that future or when that may be. I'm just here to tell you this, that it's not too far off that, that, that Satan is coming to earth, or that there's going to be this fear among the demonic and the powers of darkness and the powers of darkness in the heavenlies uh, and this fear that man this thing is about to come to an end. I know my words may be a little unpalatable for some but I, I feel constrained by the spirit of God concerning these things that he's given me to say. I, I, I may say something later that seems like a contradiction here but the church was never meant to live in survivor mode to exist. You know, we're not, we're not going to, to uh, build uh, the, the catacombs and go back and hide in the catacombs of, of Northern Ireland or the Tennessee mountains or wherever. No, we're not, we're not meant to be survivors at all. We're meant, listen, the, the, the church in my country at least and, and the West as a whole has suffered the least of most countries around this world. I've been in China many times for I've, I've had to meet in secret. I've met people who have been in prison over 20 years and suffered greatly while they were there. I, I'm just telling you, we've suffered the least. But that early church was born in the fires of persecution and suffering and trials and even death. It grew in the blood-soaked soil of those believers in Christ who believed in Yeshua Messiah. Even 
in the end of days, in the tribulation, it will flourish. Those who are born in the kingdom of God will flourish, Revelation 12 and 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives uh, unto death. Think about that. That is radical today. We don't like to think about it, man. We just want to go to church on Sunday and go have a nice dinner and then we want to, you know, love the Lord and, 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 and sing some songs and once in a while hand out some tracts and just be a good Christian. But that's all I'm here to tell you. Now you can mark this down. You can write this down in the fly leaf of your Bible or on a paper or whatever or just store it in your mind. That's all about to radically change for the Christian. You say, well, I didn't sign up for that, but then you're going to be out. Because the purging, the, 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 the coming days ahead and time. And I'm not, just talk, I'm not talking about a great tribulation here. I'm just talking about the beginning of sorrows. I tell people, have you forgotten that Jesus talked about the beginning of sorrows? Yeah. Oh, you say, oh, I didn't want you to come all the way from the U.S. just to tell us these things. Well, because it's going to happen. It's coming. I'm, uh, the end of day's church has an apocalyptic mindset. and it, It's not afraid. Think about it. It's not afraid. We're just now getting persecution in the United States. You know, years ago, when the old Pentecostals came through, now some of them, they actually did suffer, you know, some things, uh, a little extreme, but usually they cut the ropes on their tents that they put up for evangelistic work, and when they begin their churches, they threw rotten tomatoes at them, rotten vegetables, and once in a while, they'd take the evangelist, the preacher, out somewhere and whip him with a hose pipe, water hose pipe or something, you know. But I, but we're just now, we've got a, there's a spirit that has risen up. The spirit, of, the mystery of iniquity is rising. It is increasing. And so that mystery of iniquity in my, in my country, I'm watching that as it has uh, taken root and begin to move. And I tell people, they think, you know, the presidential election or another presidential election, or they think the one in November is going to change all that. And they're going to put the Jenny back in the bottle, but that Jenny's not going back in the bottle. That mystery of iniquity is, is rising. The spirit of Antichrist is already working in this world and, and, and it's not going back. You're not going to pass laws. They're not, they're not going to do that. I don't care who they elect. Uh, you, you know, I, I tell them that I have friends and they get really agitated when I say things like that. But, but you're not going to put that back because that is going to increase and increase and increase. It's going to work. The nations of the world are going to become, the governments of the world are going to, are going to become more unstable here and there. Yeah. But I'm troubled by the fear that I find in, in most Christians today. The fear when you talk about the end of days and people that who should not have fear. They do not want to hear all of this. And they feel like if we can just ignore it, it will go away. And I had someone that I love dearly, and they said, I'd just rather not hear it. 
I'd rather not think about it. I'd rather not hear it. I said, well, the problem is you can ignore it if you uh, think, think you can ignore it and you can try to put it off, but it's coming. So it's better to understand that and be prepared for what's about to take place. There's a lot of people. They don't want it to be the end of days. They don't want it to be the beginning of sorrows. They don't want it to be a time that is near the coming of Jesus Christ. Life isn't so bad here. Great job. Got stuff. Got a good home. Our kids are doing well. Well, I'm here to tell you, get ready for the change. The change is coming. For folks, now here's where it seems a contradiction, for folks to survive as Christians, even survive. It has to be, there has to be a radical, fast-track change. We have to look at the Word of God. We just read over it, you know, for decades and for years. And a lot of preachers have preached the highlights and the stories and the Bible stories, but have really not dealt with the truths of the Word of God that would prepare us for these last days. Again, we need to reread the book of Ephesians. Man, it's amazing what God has shared with the church, what he's going to do in this closing hour and what the church is going to be. When he speaks of sitting in heavenly places, you know, a lot of my Pentecostal friends, they believe that is one of those real exciting, no preaching services, man, where people are shouting and praising God. You know, you see that, especially in the South and the, nothing wrong with that. I was raised up in a church like that, man. They got excited and they, they, they had those times and they didn't even, they didn't even have preaching and they worshiped God and they believe that that is sitting in heavenly places, but that's not sitting in heavenly places. The end of days church understands that this is war. And I'm not taking, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about dominion theology where we take over the world and we take over the governments. I'm telling you that is rotten to the core. Because we're not going to take over the world. One preacher said we're going to present this to Jesus when he comes and we're going to get rid of all of this and all of that. And I thought you can't even get that rid of that out of your own church. How are you going to rid the world of it? But this is war spiritually and it's going to intensify. And the weak anemic church folk that think the spiritual warfare is standing their ground with a brother or sister that, that scolded their child in children's church. That's, that's really spiritual warfare. Or that, you know, someone in the church social that hurt your feelings when they said something that, no, no, the true end of day's church understands that we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. You know, I've watched it in my country, man. I, I, I've traveled that 40, some 42 plus years. And I've preached in all type of Pentecostal churches and denominations and movement. And I've watched them and man, they, it's just nonstop. They still engage in their long held traditions of stagnant services. 
and going through the little same rituals and motions that they've done for decades and decades. And, and it's amazing, you know, I can be, you children come on up here now and, and do the little thing. Oh, Brother Turner, they've done this for 80 years, you know, over the years. Not the same children, obviously, but they've done this for 80 years here in this church. They've done the same little thing. And that's right. And when they get grown, when they get grown, they leave the church and they get into alcoholism and drugs and perversion. And, and if they go to church at all, it's some hip-hop church across town that you, you're, you're broken-hearted about. Listen, no, no. The end of day's church is going to train those children for war. To be prepared for what's about to come. Oh, no, I don't want them to know. I well, they need to know. I have a friend, a pastor, a friend of mine, and some of you may actually know him, but he... Uh, as I was dealing with these matters over the past few years and the way things were escalating in our, our country, especially during 2020 and all the riots and when they were attacking Christians and the churches and so forth, he set his 14-year-old son down. I'm talking about a very solid brother, you know, not, uh, not unstable in any way, but he set his 14-year-old son down and had a talk with him, a discussion. And he said, I want to tell you, he said, I'm not sure about my lifetime, maybe so, possibly so, probably so. But I'm, I'm fairly certain in yours that there will come a time in this country of ours, in our nation, that you may have to give your life for Christ. That you may have to give your life for Christ. 14 years old, he said he shouldn't have done it, oh, he should have. He should prepare him for what's coming. Because we're all, we're just thinking, you know, there's something that people get in their mindset. I'm trying to think of the term. It, 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 leave, it left me. That's the trouble of getting older. But where people get in their, their mindset that just because something has never happened this way before, that somehow it will never happen. That there will never be, it almost came to me, but there will never be chaotic events or disasters or this or that or the other. Just because normalcy bias. I thought it would come in a minute. Normalcy bias. It's never happened this way before. So therefore, nothing bad will happen in the future. Yeah. Nothing chaotic. No, nothing disastrous. Nothing can take place. And we have that normalcy bias. I know in, in the United States for sure that nothing can happen. Nothing can take place. Well, something is going to take place. You know, we need to tell them, our children, prepare them. This is not against flesh and blood, but the powers of darkness. Yeah. That the whole armor of God is not to resist a spiritual cold, but to fight against the spiritual cancer of the demonic, the powers of darkness in the heavenlies. I said to a pastor friend of mine, you would know him well, but I was talking to him about this. And I said, you know, I, I, I don't want to come off like the fad from the from the, the some years back. I can't remember when it was when all the charismatics were teaching so-called spiritual warfare. And they were seeing a demon behind every bush and every tree. I'm not talking about that at all. I don't want to come off like that. But listen, this is bigger than that, folks. We are a heavenly people in heavenly places. 
That's what the Bible said in that, and with actions, our actions, man, that's a whole another, another message, but actions that have heavenly consequences, that everything we do here, everything we do here, folks, has an impact there in that heavenly realm for good or for bad. Think about it. That is why we, we are to understand this. This is not just another message. This is about Christ, his kingdom, and not ours. I felt led in my spirit some, some time ago that, you know, to say to the church, at least in my country, not, that this is not our organization, our fellowship, or not about our ministry, or even our own Christianity. Uh, Israel, you know, they failed in this and we have failed in this and we've not understood somehow that uh, this is not about us. We've made it all about us, but it never was about us, actually. It's never been God's plan for man as much as it has been God's plan for Christ, the Messiah. Israel was chosen, God's people. The people of the promise, the people of the covenant, had an apartment there for, I guess, a couple of years. But I was on a plane, I think maybe Atlanta to Sacramento, and I was working on this, and, and I never read this, I never heard anybody say it, I'm just telling you it came, and I'm not that smart to think it up. But I was on that plane, and I thought of these verses and I went and read them while flying. When engaged in war and they were entering into the promised land, in Joshua the fifth chapter, it said, now they were getting ready to go to battle, go to war with the enemy. And Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And the man just answered, of course we knew later about the man, but he said, Nay or no, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. Now some, you know, believe this is Christ in the Old Testament as the captain of the, of the uh, army of the host of the Lord. It was not an angel. Angels never accepted worship. It was not, I'm telling you, it didn't happen. This was someone divine. This was God standing there with the sword drawn in his hand. He said, pull your shoes off, boy. I'm, I'm, this is holy ground that you're on here and accepted the worship. We know Israel belonged to God. He's going to lead them in. He's going to give them victories. He's going to give them the land. But when asked, who are you and are you for us? He said, no, no. Well, wait a minute. You know, you, you got to be one for one or the other. He said, nay. What was he saying? This is not about you. This is not about the Israelites. This is, this is not about you. Well, what is it about? I'm here as captain of the host of the Lord. 
This is God's work. This is about the eternal plan. We're, we're working all of this out here because Messiah is going to come through somebody in this nation. All of this is working out because of the plan of the Almighty. It's not about you. I'm here as captain of the host. They didn't get it from the beginning. They thought the Passover was about them, but it wasn't. It's about Christ. And, and we're, we're the same way, folks, about the things of God. It's all the focus is on us. But it's not about us, it's about Christ. Everything is about Him. Everything is about Messiah. Everything is about Jesus. The church is not Gentile, it's not Jewish, it's Jewish and Gentile. It's made up of the body. It started out, I, I, man, I'm, I'm preaching, I'm, people, we have these elitists, you know, and the, U.S., you might watch them on so-called Christian television, and they're elitist, and they believe a lot of things about themselves and about the church and so forth. And I just simply say, you know what? When, when this thing started out, Jesus forbade his disciples even to preach in a Gentile city. He said that in Matthew 10 and 5. Don't you go into the city of Samaritans. Don't go preach there. So in the beginning, the gospel was not even preached to Gentiles. And when you read the 11th chapter of Romans, man, I, I, I preached that once. I Wherever I went and preached it, I asked them to turn the YouTube off or the live stream off. And I, I, a lot of things I was dealing with, uh, you know, about Israel, I didn't want it to be out there. But I just said, you know, here, when you look at the... 11th chapter of Romans, we need to look at it again and realize that we're just grafted into this thing. And not only are we just grafted into it, but the Bible said that we were grafted into it to make those Jews jealous to turn back. So I told the group there in January, I said, you know, the thing is, we're just being used. And I got this real shocked look from their faces. What are you? We're just being used in this, but it's okay. We're being used for the glory of God. So don't, Paul said, don't get too high and mighty and think too high of yourself. You just got in because of the mercy and the goodness of God, and God's using you to bring those Jews back. You know, I, I, listen, somehow the church, the church has to come to the realization again, it's not about us. The focus has been on us and our, our benefit and our comfort and our pleasure and our this and our that but it's not supposed to be that way when it becomes the body when it comes it becomes about Christ and the glory of God and the end of days and what God wants us to do as that body that's when we'll see revival and a move of the spirit of God it never revolved around us in Ephesians 2 and 12 said Paul writing said to the Ephesians at that time you 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 were without Christ. You were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. Man, that's a very low place to be in. But then he said, but, but, but now in Christ, you sometimes who were far off are now made, made nigh by the blood of Christ. Yeah. Man, we, we were just in a wasteland in this world spiritually. But because of the precious blood of Jesus, we have been brought into the kingdom of God. 
So I, I say all of those things because I felt like that God wanted me to say it to the church. And I can tell people, man, they kind of pushed on that. But that's okay. But again, it's not about you and it's not about me. And when we get that out of our religious system and realize that it's about Jesus and the work of the end time and the plan of God and the eternal purpose of God. Folks, this plan was not created the day that Adam, you know, gave in to that to Eve, you know, after she ate of that, that fruit, I start to say apple, I don't know what it was, but ate of that fruit, you know, that it didn't just hatch, the plan wasn't hatched then, before there was a sun, a moon, and the stars, before there were the heavenlies, this was in the mind of God about Christ and the end of days and about a church glorious, all this was planned out in ages past, you and I sitting here tonight was in the mind of God of building years ago God saying to his body there has to be a radical change in our thinking yeah. it's not an argument about the coming of the Lord whether it's pre-mid or whatever no the art that, that that's not it the thing is we need to be radical in our thinking about what are we going to do till he comes what what are we going to be and do as the church and face this times that we're living in. It's not going to happen at the polls. We should vote. I believe in voting. There's a lot of folks. My dad spent his, uh, he married my mother, and just right after that, he was shipped off to Europe to fight in World War II. His dad was before him in World War I. I believe in voting. I believe when men like that, you know, give themselves for uh, the right to do so. But that's not going to change. The train's already on the track. It's not going to change what's coming. Oh. The powers of the universe are watching us, folks. I preached that in the gathering this last time. This is a verse that has intrigued me. This is a verse that has challenged me. This is a verse that has caused weeping. I'm telling you, brokenness. At 32% in the United States that fell away after the uh, COVID started. And in that, I put out one of those uh, messages. I just started filming those in my home. We couldn't go anywhere, and but it's worked pretty well. I mean, I went to bed one night in Mississippi on a Saturday night and got up on Sunday morning after putting one of those out. They're not all that viewed, but 10,000 people overnight. But I put that out, and I said in that, I said, you know, I said, I believe. I said, I'm not a prophet, and I don't claim to be one. But I said, I believe the Lord has shown me that the second phase of that falling away, the first phase will be, you know, and Mr. Barn approved that one. The second one will be after the election. Because I, I, I caused quite a stir among my friends and brethren, Christians there. When they asked about the election and Mr. Trump, I said, no, I... I don't believe he's going to win. And they said, I said, I want him to win. The alternative is not good. 
But I said, I don't believe he's going to. And they could not believe that I would make such a statement. And I, they said, why would you think that won't happen? I said, because God is, we're in, we're in the end of days. And I believe that God is about to use those he puts it, allows to come to power to bring judgment to our nation and to the church in the United States. Judgment. And I said, I believe that in my spirit, I believe that he showed me that after the election would be phase two, another falling away. He said, what is that? I said, Christians, and come to find out it was more preachers than just your average member. Christians will become so disillusioned after the election, they will feel that God has failed them. And they'll walk away. Did that happen? Many did. It was unbelievable. There were Pentecostal, so-called spirit-filled preachers making the statement, maybe there isn't a God now. Maybe all this about Jesus has just been a fairy tale. If that's not falling away, I don't know what is. There were some that said they couldn't preach faith to the people anymore. Because they preached if you just pray and believe. And of course they had prophets everywhere prophesying the election would turn out a certain way. And obviously it didn't. But if you just pray then, then, then it has to be. And so but then it didn't happen. And they said we can't preach faith anymore. That God will answer prayer. Really? I said, you can pray and sometimes stay the hand of God's judgment. You can delay it. We was talking, Brother Jay and I, the other day. Now, I'm reading in the Old Testament. I'm, I'm getting straight. I'm straying here. But I, I'm reading in the Old Testament, and I read about Amaziah one, one morning in, in my Bible reading and how, you know, he was nobody more wicked before him or after him, and he was so vile, and God sent word, I'm going to bring judgment upon you and upon the nation. And, uh, and, and, and he fell on his knees and, and, and sackcloth and ashes and asked, and wept and asked for, for forgiveness. And God said to the prophet, said, did you see what Amaziah did? And, uh, God said, you go back and tell him I'm going to put this judgment off to after he's dead and gone. And so help me. I'm sitting there that morning reading that. And I said to God, you've got to be kidding me. Surely. This wicked king, like no other, humbled himself in a moment's time and done so much wickedness, and you forgave him and put judgment off way into the future. But in my spirit, I recognize that God is a gracious and good and merciful God. But I'm just saying, you can stay the hand of God in judgment. But when it comes to the prophetic word of God being fulfilled, you will not change that. You can read this book. It's going to be fulfilled. It's going to happen. It's going to take place. So if God establishes and allows people to come to power and governments to help bring this to pass, you're not going to pray that to stop. You're not going to stop that. You're not going to end that. 
But I've stayed on this to the intent in Ephesians 3 and 10, and I'll mention this again somewhere, that now under the principalities and powers and heavenly places might be known, might be now known by the church, the manifold wisdom of God. And I read that, and I read that, and I realized that word now, that the intent, that now under principalities and power. The Amplified, it's not a New Age translation of the Bible. It just simply defines the verse. And it says, the purpose is that through the church, the complicated, many-sided wisdom of God in all of its infinite variety and innumerable aspects might be made known to the angelic rulers and authorities and principalities and powers in the heavenly sphere. Man. Now, the church, now, not, not a thousand years from now, not in the millennium, but now, now, the church. When is that now? We have not yet done that, I'm telling you. We have not impressed the heavenly beings and, and the powers of the universe, the good and the bad. I'm, I'm going to quit, but, but, but I see coming in the days ahead until Jesus comes for his church. I see this persecution coming and suffering coming against the people of God. I see this control, you know, and I, I'm just telling you, I watched that uh, guy speak there at that Davos, I think it's what it's called, they have in uh, uh, somewhere here in Europe, all the rich guys flew in on their, their aircraft and, and their billionaires and so forth. And, but the man said, we have developed technology now that people can always register their carbon print. Or in other words, we're going to watch how much you are using your carbon footprint, you know, and so to speak. You know, if you're eating too many hamburgers or if you're eating too this, or if you're flying, if you're traveling too much or whatever. Man, can you imagine a world like that? Big Brother is watching. Well, we're there, folks. And I, I, I see a time of physical abuse. And in and, and the United States, if they do overturn Roe versus Wade in the respect where they give it back to the states, now that, that doesn't mean every state's going to change, but if they do, I, I'm telling you that I'm not sure they won't burn the nation to the ground. I mean, you know, they're coming after, they came after the Catholics recently because they identify that, you know, with abortion. They came after the Catholics there recently, but, but after a while, they're going to figure out, you know, hey, these Protestant folks, these Pentecostal tongue-talking people, they're really the problem here. They're really the problem here. So we don't want your children in our universities. We don't want you working a job. Hey, don't you work? Don't you go to so and so to church? And you say, well, yes. And don't your pastor is he is he not one of these who who doesn't believe you should be able to abort and this that? Yeah, but well, listen. Uh, maybe you should find yourself another church. Well, I don't want to find myself another church. Well, maybe you should find yourself another job. Maybe, maybe you should go some, I don't want another job. You know, I've, I've worked here for years. I've got a mortgage. I've got a car. I've got a child in the university. I, I don't want another job. Well, you either find yourself another church or another job. It can't happen, preacher. Oh, it can. We are the end of days, church. Ah. The true church of Jesus will be formed in the fire of adversity, will come forth as gold. The universe is watching the good, the bad. 
It's becoming glorious. The Son of God will come to receive it without spot and without wrinkle. I had a pastor, if I mentioned his name, you'd know him. He, uh, he called me one night. At night is not a good time to call me. I'm not talking about I was in the bed, but I usually, I was just seeking the Lord and I, I had my phone because sometimes I play music in the background. But I happened to notice, you know, you look, it's, you're addicted to phones. We know that, all of us. And I looked over because I saw it light up and uh, I saw the number, the name, and I thought, he never, this guy never calls me at night. He knows, don't call me at night. Um, so I just, I wrestled with that. I answered it. And he, he, he said to me, he said, I just want to talk to you. He said, I want to know, what, what are you seeing? He talked to me about the church and, and uh, he said, do you believe that the people are getting this about this end of days? And do you believe that they're seeing the church's, you know, just I'm giving you the gist of it. And I said, no, I really don't. It's not above people's intellect. It's not above their education. It's, that's not it. It's just different. It's just not the norm. Like I said, at home, when you mention things about the end of days and the times and so forth, immediately the response is, we're gone. We're gone. And they don't even want to think about here and gone or gone. They don't even think that we're called to do something between here and there. They don't believe it can be bad and good. And I said, no, I don't believe it because I don't believe that most preachers are preaching and preparing their people for what's ahead. You got a lot of them, folks. I know it for a fact. I'm not throwing stones. I'm just telling you, I know it's a fact. A lot of them, they'd set up, watch YouTube videos about the elections and conspiracy theories and how we were about to have a turnover in the presidential situation and a new, and I said, that is called a coup. That's not going to happen. I mean... And they believe those things. Man, I had them telling me, they'd said, well, this is about to take place and there's going to be this happen and there's going to be all, you know, all these things happen. And I said, you can't lead the flock of God if you don't even know what God is saying to the body in this hour. I preached that. I put that out on that film. I, I called it false prophets, disqualified shepherds and wandering sheep. We had pastors in fundamental Pentecostal churches that, that were following these so-called prophets that a year before they wouldn't even believe they were Christians. They're so far out there and ridiculous. But now they're believing them. I said, no, I don't, I don't believe they're getting it. I don't believe they're getting it. And I'm sitting there, and man, I felt the Spirit of God. I said, you know what, brother? I said, I believe if the church of Jesus Christ would begin to pray, 
If they would get their mind off of Nancy Pelosi, if they would get their minds off of, of, of Biden, if they would get their minds off even of Mr. Trump, and they would get their minds off the elections and their minds off of politics, and if the people of God would really begin to sincerely pray and say, God, make me a part of the church that fulfills the eternal purpose of God in this end time. I said, if, if they would, if they would really begin to pray and say, God, I want to be a part of the church that now makes known the manifold wisdom of God, the principalities and powers and, 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 and the rulers of this universe. I said, I said, brother, I believe if the people of God would get all of that other off their mind and begin to pray, God, I, I want to be a part of the church where the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world receives the reward of his suffering in this end time. I said, I believe the heavens would open. God would come down. Man, I got off the phone. I, I don't, I got to praying that. Praying that. I, I, we moved since we but this was above the office. This, we live in a log house, and this was above the office. This is a long way from where my wife was. There's a lot of wood in between this man. But I, I got to praying that one night, and I, I, I got so loud. I've learned that, you know, you don't have to scream at God. He's not deaf but I, as a Pentecostal. But I, I was praying so loud, and I just got louder, and I was weeping and praying that prayer. And, man, it was like a river that began to flow up from my innermost being. And a day or so later, sometimes I walked in the morning and prayed up down the little road there by the house. You know, it's dead end and I just walk, no traffic, and I'm praying that prayer, same prayer. And I'm praying the Holy Ghost of God begin to rise up in my spirit. And I thought, God, this it is the will of God to pray this. It's the will of God for your church, for your people to pray that prayer. This would come, become reality in this end of days. I've preached way too long, but I've come a long way to preach way too long. God help us. Folks, it has begun. You say, you know that. I know that. It has begun. It will swiftly, swiftly develop. From here on out. Radically. That, that part of it radically too. But oh God let us radically change. And be changed. To be the people. Of the end of days. And the end of days church. Would you stand with me.